0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 52 of Generation Jihad. I'm Tom Johnson, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Bill Roggio. Bill.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: We are senior fellows at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, and we've been running FTD's Long War Journal for a long time now. And of course, uh, in this episode, we're going to have to discuss the Taliban's current offensive in Afghanistan. This is a very fluid situation. Um, you know, basically anything we say in this podcast is open to modification because it could. It probably be changed by the time we, we publish this, so or post this online. So uh, this is a very fluid situation, as I said. Um, but uh, we've in the last several weeks we've seen quite a bit of activity, quite a bit of war fighting um, in Afghanistan. And I think let's kick off this episode, Bill. We're gonna let's start with um, you giving an overview of what the current war fighting looks like, what the current Taliban offensive is. And then we're going to go into a whole um, discussion of how you've been tracking this for years. But Bill, why don't you kick it off for our listeners about what's actually going on inside Afghanistan right now?
1: Sure. So Tom, uh, the situation in Afghanistan, as you know, we discussed this quite a bit, is quite dark uh, right now. The Taliban has been on the offensive. It hasn't announced its spring offensive as it normally does each year. It's just And some people like,
0: some people thought that was a good thing, right? And the fact right, they didn't announce exactly. it, they just did it. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah.
1: Usually they name it. They'll name it after some big battle in the, you know, in, um, in Islamic Muslim history or something like that. But this year, they just got straight down to the fighting. And what we've seen, um, what is really, really surprising is the Taliban is really on the offensive in the north. Northern Afghanistan. We've seen the Taliban rampage through multiple provinces. Um, They're taking control of district after district in provinces where I am, frankly, I'm a little bit shocked. The Taliban had, for instance, Kunduz, the capital of Kunduz city. The Taliban entered the city and there's fighting in there. All of the districts surrounding Kunduz, all the districts in the province, are currently under Taliban control. They've made significant gains in Faryab, in Takar, in in Samangan. In it, I could just go on and on in the provinces. So, and meanwhile, the Taliban has has had significant success in the east. I've, I'm watching districts go under in Paktiya Province. I believe six of them in the last forty eight hours. We've watched the Taliban rampaging in western Afghanistan. Farah looks really bad right now. Um, And in the south, the Taliban also is on the offensive. But the bulk of the districts that have switched hands with the Taliban, I would say somewhere around two-thirds of them, it's all occurred in the north. And this is really important, Tom, because the north is considered to be the power base of most of the Afghan politicians. This is where the Tajik and Uzbek and warlords are, this is where the Turkmen and the Hazar in northern and central Afghanistan. When the Northern Alliance was, controlled 10% of Afghanistan, um, they fully controlled the um, provinces of Panjshir, obviously. That was Massoud's um, uh, home base. And Badakhshan province was fully under uh, Northern Alliance control. And this was the actual headquarters of the Northern Alliance. Now Badakhshan province looks really bad. Most of its districts are contested, and I believe three or four under Taliban control. So, you know, the question, you know, uh, so we have all this going on. What we have, what we're seeing on the battlefield right now, Afghan troops are surrendering. Distri- they're turning over military bases, military outposts, entire district centers. We're seeing the Taliban approach these districts using intermediaries. They could be tribal leaders. They could be influential um, Taliban members. They could be members of government. They're approaching the Afghan security forces and Afghan government officials and saying, look, we could either assault this and you could go down fighting or we'll let you go. And one of the things that we're not seeing, on the battlefield, is the ta- the Taliban is not conducting mass executions. You would have thought after 20 years, really 40 plus years of war, but really 20 years against the Afghan government, um, there's a lot of bad blood built between both sides uh, against individuals. And the only one where I saw a Taliban conduct an execution was in Takar. They killed a the head of the NDS and the police, the NDS, the National Directorate of Security. Think of that as the CIA and the FBI rolled up into one they, the Taliban hate the NDS because these are the ones that target their leadership, um, that they go after the group. Right? Um, they did execute the local NDS chief after the base was overrun, but it could have been be- because they fought, they they fought and didn't surrender. But you know, look, I have a I have a theory, and that's not really much of a theory. The Taliban's making a list; they're checking it twice, and they know who's been naughty to them. And these people, the, those on that list are eventually going to get checked off that list one one way or another. But right now, it's in the Taliban's interest for security forces to surrender. They're getting arms. They're getting—I'm seeing them in possession of of artillery pieces, lots of U.S. Humvees and Ford pickup trucks that are being supplied—that were supplied by the U.S. to the, to the Afghan military— Massive, massive amounts of ammunition and arms are, are coming under Taliban control. And this is having a snowball effect because as the Taliban are, are taking a district, the district next door that was also possibly contested, the Taliban are now rolling up and they're saying, look, you guys see what happened over here? We let these guys go. We'll let you go as well. And this is, and we're seeing this time and time again. And I'm waking up every morning finding a a little bit more and a little bit more of Afghanistan under control of the Taliban. Tom, as you said, by the time this is published, um, the situation's going to get a little bit worse. It's it's changing rapidly. The Taliban are on the advance, and I think they're in a situation where they're sort of having a catastrophic success. They're they're having more success than they thought they ever would. Um, I actually had had some pretty good intel from this and from a source that I can't ta- discuss here, but they 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 what they had indicated is that the the Taliban they're taking things faster than the military had command had um, actually um, planned on doing, so they're having a hard time keeping up with this. Now this can can go against the Taliban um, because they could be over overreaching their logistics chain, their supply lines. Things of that nature. Have they have to secure these districts? Um, that takes up manpower. And then on the flip side of it, you have the Afghan government um, uh, forming what they're calling uh, uh, national uprising, or uh, there's other names for it. Uh, let's
0: before we get to the uprisings, the other part of this stuff. So let's talk about how many. So how many districts do you think? So we're recording this on June twenty fourth, um, and so since May first, I think is when you. You picked up the activity. Really, started to, things started to swing. How many districts have the, has the Taliban raided and taken? Would you estimate since May first?
1: Yeah, Tom. Since May first, I have counted. So the number at May first, at or about May first, is seventy three. Um, that the Taliban control. So this is
0: according, we're going to get into this in a second, but that's 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 your estimate of the Taliban, the districts under Taliban control as a versus contested or controlled by the Afghan government. We're going to get into those term. We're going to get into those terms in a second because there's a whole methodology there. We want to explore a little bit on the podcast. But so as a baseline, just as an estimate. You had estimated about 73 districts on the Taliban's control as of May 1st. What is that
1: number now? What is that number now? Yeah, and uh, to be clear, there's 407 districts. So at that point in time, that's about the Taliban controls about a sixth to a seventh of the districts there. Um, Now the number is 142. So if you do a snapshot math, we're looking at 59 uh, districts that the Taliban have taken. So they've almost doubled. They're approaching doubling the number of districts that they control just over the course of we're at 7 weeks now. That's an astonishing um number. So 16 69 uh,
0: then, 69 districts then that they oh, I'm sorry, 69, right, right. yes,
1: my math yeah. is bad. You're correct.
0: All right, so 69 yeah. districts you you think have changed hands basically um, in that time since May 1st and that's why it's a, a dire thing. Now, look, if I look at if I look around other just to put this in context, if I look at other reporting that's out there, you know, I saw a UN official estimated as 50 or more. I've seen other assessments or reports of 60 or more. It's all in the ballpark. It's all, you know, it's, it's very difficult to get a precise figures for all this. We're going to get into that in a second. But um, the point is, is that you're detecting a large number of districts have changed hands. Dozens of districts have changed hands in recent weeks. 69 is your estimate. Um, and now, I want to, before we move on, we're recording this on June 24th. So obviously things can change. And, you know, and how things change, whether if the Afghan government... Um, you know, is able to make a push and regain some of these districts, that'd be great. We'll document that. Um, If the um, Taliban makes further gains, you'll document that. Whatever the situation is, you'll document it. It's June 24th. This is what's happened since May 1st. Now, on June 23rd, General uh, Mark Milley, who is the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, testified before House Armed Services Committee, and he seemingly downplayed the Taliban's offensive in Afghanistan, uh, he claimed that basically um I think let me look up the numbers here real quick. I think he
1: said he said more than 30, I believe.
0: yeah, right? I, I think if you work out the math of what he said that he basically had it as 30 districts had changed hands or the Taliban had taken over in, in recent weeks. that's still bad. that's still a horrible number, really. you know it's not not a great situation, but he was he was trying to make the point that well, they don't control any provincial capitals and so therefore this is not really as big of a deal as as being made out to be what some are making out to be. However, as you and I have discussed many, many times, the point is that they're waiting for the full U.S. withdrawal, Western withdrawal from Afghanistan to take the provincial capitals. They've already started to assault them. Um, They're surrounding them. And a lot of these districts do facilitate that cause for their their ultimate push into these more urbanized areas in in Afghan terms. Um, So, you know, Millie's testimony to me, you know, it sounded like he was trying to downplay the Taliban offensive when I think that actually the situation is worse than he lets on.
1: Yeah, the US military has consistently downplayed the um what the Taliban controls in Afghanistan. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of that um later in this podcast, but the Biden administration owns this, the US military owns Afghanistan now. So, it's in their interest that Afghanistan doesn't look like it's collapsing. Almost within you know weeks and and to within two months of of actual announcing the the withdrawal, so this is why you're you're seeing this. But uh, yeah, look, uh, the history of this of the U.S. military's portrayal of Afghanistan and what the Afghan government controls and what the Taliban controls, it's 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 a pretty tawdry affair. Um, the, you know, Thomas, you and I have mentioned numerous times they they have consistently downplayed the Taliban, the Taliban's ties to Al-Qaeda, et cetera, et cetera, over over time. Well, the chickens are coming home to roost now, and we're going to see who's right and who is wrong. And, um, you know, look, I stand by my assessment. That number is 69. It could be 66, and it could be 72. It could be, you know, this is a best case, or best effort to try to track this using open source and other methods. And, um, you know, Afghan press is uh, in a lot of places reporting more than 60 right now. And, you know, we're, we're all on the same page. I don't know where he's getting his numbers, but the U S military wasn't, they, they lost interest in gathering this information a couple of years ago. And now that they want to get, get back into the district counting game, I find that to be a little amusing and a little too late, um, to to matter at this
0: point. So before we move on to the the whole the, the analysis you're talking about your mapping of Afghanistan, the, was one point you raised real quick, is that the Afghan government is trumpeting these uprisings in Afghanistan, these local militias and others that are forming to combat the Taliban, and I I would say you know the language about that I think is very telling, right? Because when you talk about an uprising, um, you're talking about uprising against the power. The more powerful actor, you know, you're acting as the insurgent against the more powerful entity, and to be in an uprising scenario against the Taliban tells you that the Taliban is powerful in these areas. Otherwise, why would you need an uprising? Um, you know, to, so uh, their language on this, um, I think, is unintentionally telling that basically they're they're talking about the Taliban. Simultaneously, they're trying to downplay the Taliban's gains while at the same time trumpeting these uprisings against the Taliban, which really has momentum and is. In a powerful actor in some of these places, and it really flips the script. I mean, I was reminded when I saw this language from the Afghan government. I was reminded of you know the language about the awakenings against these, what was then known as the Islamic State of Iraq, um, you know, years ago now, and these local actors in 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 Iraq that that came to form these you know their own formal their own militias and their own you know, combatant units to basically go to war against the jihadis. And in that case, the Awakenings was very much in the same scenario. They were trying to fight an ascending jihadi cause. And so this is basically the same scenario you're seeing in these areas here in Afghanistan. I, I always don't want to I don't want to strain these analogies or these comparisons too much, right? You don't want to read you don't want to make too much of it. But that was the the language anyway of it, the way it was being portrayed, sort of that's what it meant to me. That's what it symbolized to me, was the Taliban really is in a position of power in some of these areas. And that's why Afghans have to, are in a situation now where they're in an uprising mode.
1: Yeah, Tom, two, two things on that. First of all, when you said that the other day, when we were talking on the phone, you blew my mind. I hadn't looked at it from that perspective. And after you said it, it was just so obvious that the, that there's an unintentional admission of, of failure here because if you like you said if you need to be called the uprising that means you're uprising against what you're uprising against Tal- taliban rule the the difference you know look the awakenings and they're also called concerned citizens um when that was in iraq and, and there is a parallel here that was organized largely by the u.s although some, people, some tacit- people
0: downplay that some people downplay the u.s role uh, in organizing the sure. Right, but oh no they, yeah. they,
1: they were look i embedded in sure. iraq um no, multiple times. I actually was at the first meeting with a powerful uh, tribal leader in western Iraq in Al-Qaim. This was in my first embed in Iraq in 2005. I can attest to this. The U.S. military played the key role in, in establishing the awakenings in, in both Anbar province and, and, uh, and Bagh, around Bagh, in and around Baghdad and other, Nineveh, Saladin, I could go on and on. Um, yeah, so that's that's just garbage. But but, so, well, you know, but they, Bill, you know, I just—I have to it, inject
0: one thing there. You know garbage sells. There's so much garbage analysis in our yes. field that that's <laughs> – just because it's garbage doesn't mean – it's still widely accepted, you know. But anyway, yeah. Well, go ahead.
1: Exactly. You know, I just, you know, I roll my eyes at this yeah. stuff, as you know. I, I find it, it insults my intelligence. Listen, we're recording this podcast
0: it. in the context of which Washington's been blathering on about a peace process involving the Afghan war for yep. years now. What peace process? You know, what in the hell are you talking about? You know, what what peace process? You know? But is this what peace looks Yeah, I mean, like? it's just I totally mean, delusional. But um, at the risk at the risk we, of going but, down that road again, let's let's move on. I uh, was
1: yeah. No, let, let, let me sure. make one more point, uh, Tom. At least the U.S. military and the and the Iraqi government, when they were forming the awakenings and concerned citizens, they didn't pretend that there wasn't a problem and that these awakenings weren't needed, and that you know they, they they were clear about the situation was to drive the Islamic State out of control, you know, from control of this. And they didn't use bad terminology like uprisings to describe their movements. And I just find that very interesting. And Tom, the analogy is very apt, except, and, and, you know, part of the problem with this though is this looks to be the return of the warlords, which is what probably is needed. But the question is, is are they going to be able to do what an organized Afghan military with an air force and, you know, with special forces and commandos are they going to be able to do what the what the Afghan military has been failing at doing? I've recognized that that there'll be a supporting arm, but boy, the military has already lost a lot of men and a lot of material in the, this Taliban offensive. Um, I'm skeptical that they're going to be able to have you know be able to help otherwise on the margins. But maybe I'll be wrong about this. That's quite possible. I, I do su- expect some districts to get flipped, but I don't know that they're that they're going to break the Taliban's momentum. But we're going to find out.
0: Yeah. Now one of the talking points. Uh, I keep teasing the discussion of the map that you've been doing but one of the talking points I think we should mention before we move on to is this idea that by documenting the Taliban's gains that somehow, you know, unwittingly promoting the Taliban propaganda and their messaging. I mean, this is pure horseshit, right? I mean, the, the point is is that if the Taliban is either taking districts or it isn't and that's a fact that should be known and understood. It's not, you know, now if if the Taliban is falsely claiming gains somewhere, then we should know that, we should document that too. Um, but that's not the issue here. The issue here is, you know, how how pervasive and how widespread is the Taliban offensive? It's a question only at the margins of how many districts they've taken now or overrun since May 1st, not a question of, you know, if it's happening. It is happening, you know, and this is this is, this is a success for them. And that's documented. That doesn't come from Taliban propaganda alone. That's one of many variables that you and I look at in trying to understand all the stuff that comes from independent press reporting. Comes from the Afghan officials and Afghan government forces, security forces. Comes sometimes from sometimes from American sources, although you know they've gotten less and less authoritative on this stuff even though they were never really authoritative on it um and you know from un from other international actors so the point is there's a lot of different reporting to look at when you're documenting this stuff but the idea that this is mindlessly repeating taliban propaganda or you know bolstering the taliban's talking points it just doesn't make any sense i mean it's just nonsense and furthermore if the afghan government were really t- retaking lots of these districts that's a good thing. We'd want to report that, right? I mean, that, that, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, show us, you know, show you, show, show us that data, show us that evidence and be happy to report that you pushed back and be, you know, the point is, is like we're not rooting for the Taliban and its allies and Al Qaeda and other jihadist groups to have success here. We think this is a, this is a really a a terrible ending to the American presence in Afghanistan at this point. You know, this isn't, the war isn't going to end, but the American presence is ending. And this is not the outcome that you or I were rooting for, for sure. So none of this is really in our interest to document this way or to, to cheerlead this stuff at all. Quite the opposite. Um, and yet, you know, what we, you and I have found is that there are a lot of American officials and Afghan officials who are um, really putting their head in the sand. They're pretending like this isn't happening or they're trying to downplay it. And that's that's. A bigger problem than any supposed win for the Taliban propagandists, right? If you don't know what you're fighting and what war you're in and what you're doing, that's a much bigger problem than you know some tweets or some social media nonsense, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, Tom. The, you know, the, it's it's an anti-intellectual and anti-free press argument. I am putting information out there, you know, so that people can understand the situation, not to to promote Taliban propaganda or anything like that. Anyone that knows you and me knows that that's absurd i mean if, if we had control of this war things would, would be much much different well actually um, you know the don't. funny thing about so,
0: that is you and i are the more more honest and critical of the taliban than most of the field you know i mean most absolutely. most of the field, I mean, of the field we, has been invested in various versions of taliban apology as you and i have, you know this is not I, this is not something that we're rooting for you know i mean hell
1: yeah and, and you know if anything this map over the years should have been the canary in the coal mine like i what i was trying to all right let's wait, stop is, right
0: there let's go into the map let's talk about the map here all right so it, it, it's uh, teasing any further so, so so look so the main product you're talking about here is you do this map um which break down breaks down um at a district level i think at 407 districts across afghanistan and several years ago now almost a decade ago now better part of a decade ago anyway i think about 2014 or so you started formalizing this and and, and creating a map that said okay here's where the afghan government controls districts. Here are districts that are contested. That means that they're up for grabs between the two. And then here are those that are controlled by the Taliban. Why don't you talk a little bit about the etymology of this and how this evolved over time, Bill, and what the original thinking was in terms of trying to put together this map. It's a really difficult process, right? And these definitions, these definitions of what's controlled by the Afghan government, what's contested and what the Taliban controls, these are all difficult. They're not. They're not give They're not gimmies. They're not easy things to, to to discern, really, in trying to put this all together. Why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown of how this started? How you started doing this?
1: Sure. Sure. And and so the origins of this actually go back much further than I initially thought when we were. Yeah, it, it, you did.
0: You did this episode. notes for 2014. Your notes you sent to me, but I thought it was like 2008 yeah. or 2000. Yeah. yeah. So somewhere around there is the first time I remember you doing something like this. So I'm gonna that error when I said 2014's on you, but go ahead. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, uh, it, it's it's interesting. It popped in my head, you know. You you start thinking about this, and then, and I got to tell you, Tom, we've been in this game for so long that time has sort of lost meaning. I forget that I did something in 2007, 2008. It's it's over. It's almost you know, four, we're talking 14, 13, 12 years ago. So one of the first mapping projects I actually did was in northwestern Pakistan, where I was documenting what the Taliban, when the, when the movement of the Taliban in Pakistan was taking taking control of um, what they would call tribal areas. And um, they have, uh, I forget what they, they call them, uh, uh, but they're administrative units in northwestern Pakistan. And so I, I did that. That was, that was interesting. You watch the Taliban gaining control. Then in Afghanistan, prior to the surge, we were seeing the Taliban... Uh, this was again in two thousand and eight. I believe I started doing this. The Taliban was uh, taking over Helmand and Kandahar province, and so I got the idea: Hey, let's let's start seeing what the Taliban is doing in Helmand and Kandahar. That was the real big focus of the Taliban's offensive, and I was able to color shade in a map and show show it's controlled and contested. So, and let me let me take a second to uh, just the def- definition of control and contested, right? And and there's a lot of subjectivity in here. I recognize this. But I consider a controlled district where the Taliban either occupies the administrative center or is dictating what is happening in the, in the district. So sometimes what we'll see is the Taliban will let the government pretend that it controls a district when it's really controlling the schools. It's taxing. It's, it's uh, making women uh, you know, wear the burqa. It's, it's running mines and trade and things like that. So there's different levels, but controlling a district center is the easy one. Um, finding this other stuff, it, it, it's a little harder. So, anyway, so going moving forward, you know, so that was interesting. We did that with the surge. Um, the surge did clear out the Taliban out of Helmand and Kandahar, but it didn't fully clear them out. They went underground. We get, we're talking about an insurgency. So when you're talking about the surge, has, you're talking
0: about the surge in forces ordered by President Obama in December 2009. It lasted throughout 2010 and into 2011 and then and then under the mantra of bringing a responsible end to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the surge came to an end. And basically the intent was to fully withdraw during the second Obama administration, but President Obama decided to leave a rump force of less than 10,000 Americans in Afghanistan because the Taliban wasn't so interested in peace. But go ahead. So now go and- Cor-
1: correct. Yes, correct. So, so post surge, you know, Helmand and Kandahar looked a lot better, but there were still Taliban in these areas, they just were underground, you know, classic insurgency. Tom, you and I, we predicted um back during the surge we're like it's not enough. President Obama, he put in a timetable. So he told the Afghan the Taliban how long they needed to lay low. Um he and he was stick he stuck to the timetable. So after you while US forces started to um leave the Taliban started creeping back in these districts. And then at some point, so I'm watching this, and I'm going, hey, this is interesting. But, you know, it was Afghanistan was kind of quiet at this time. There were small-scale attacks, whatnot. I'm talking from around 2011, 12. Uh, I'm sorry, 2012, 13, 14. But around 2014, the Taliban started to show up in force. And, I, I, and this is what spurred me to do it. I saw a report that was, quote, in the Afghan press, and was quoting... Uh, an anonymous Ashman official, and he said the Taliban are actually control of these eight districts. And I said, Whoa, that's interesting. I said, All right, let me just let me try to start mapping this. So, and I found out one of those districts was Bagram in Helm, the northern district in Helmand province, and that district never went out of Taliban control. So, even during the surge, the U.S. military forces didn't enter there. So, this really piqued my attention. I said, Hey, let's try and figure out. What the Taliban's doing? So I got together at Google Map. Um, I found an overlay of a, of Afghanistan's districts. Um, this is one of my biggest frustrations in the map. That's an older version. It only has 398 or 399 of the 407 districts because the Afghan government does this funky stuff where they subdivide districts because the president is the person who actually appoints uh, district leaders, believe it or not it's not something given to the to the um provincial governors there's no elections so so it's often a way to to get influence uh get his influence in there um so there's there's a I believe nine districts that aren't on this current map um by the way some people scoff at this but i work with cartographers from we're currently working with national geographic on a prop uh, on a product nbc news new york times Everyone has the same problem. No one can figure out where these districts are. So this, again, this map is a best... I want to be perfectly clear about this. The map is a best effort to provide a picture of Afghanistan. And again, we could take a district and say it's controlled, move it to contested, contested to controlled, contested to Afghan government controlled. That's fine. But the, the general picture of this map doesn't change. So again, back to... All right, so I started... Um, you know, this Google map, it was uh, pretty clunky looking, but it, it gave you a picture, right? And I was really happy about that. Um At the very beginning, it was very difficult to find open source information on what was happening. But I slowly put together a picture. And then, and I want to say by 2015, 16, I probably had like around 20 districts that were Taliban controlled and another 30 or 40 that were contested. So that was the picture, um, you know, up to that point in time.
0: All right. So... You start doing this map, this put together this product. Now, eventually, other sources try and do their own version of the map, do their own maps. Um, I know that at one point, the U.S. military started tracking this and then stopped producing these assessments publicly. We'll talk about that in a second. I know that also the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, CIGAR, this office, which issues these um, quarterly reports to Congress on... Uh, what's going on in Afghanistan has also produced versions of the map or data anyway on the districts and, and what's going on. Why don't you talk a little bit about the, the other sort of competing products that were put out at different times and sort of the issues you ran into in terms of comparing those products to what you were putting out. Now, it's not like you know, when the U.S. military did produce this product, and we're going to talk about how they canceled it in a second, but when they did produce this, these data and you would, you would use those data, you compare, you would try and figure out why is it there's a discrepancy, and you would try and resolve the discrepancy. It wasn't like you'd say, oh, you're automatically wrong. You try and look into, use it as, as a metric or a barometer for your own reporting to try and understand, you know, what, what is going on here. And if, if, if you detected something that you were wrong on, you would have changed it. But that was often not the case. But go ahead and tell us about, about these other competitive products.
1: Yeah, sure. So the, the CIGAR map, uh, this is the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan. Stand Reconstruction, love you, Cigar. it's a great organization. I wish every branch of the U.S. government worked like Cigar works. Um, they're be replete uh, creating their map based on the Department of Defense information. It was. Something that they, I believe they were mandated by Congress to do that. Cigar, you know, again, the quarterly reports. So I want to say sometime in 2015 or 16, before Cigar um, started producing the maps, and again, time's a little fuzzy for me here, and I, I didn't have the time to research the exact dates um, here, but I was contacted by a, a military officer in, in Kabul. And the and had a phone conversation and the question was hey bill we see you're doing this map how do you do it and my response was you guys aren't doing this and i, I was just really surprised that the u.s military that sends people out into the field who are and and, and sends state you know the state department is sending the field that they weren't trying to assess the status of districts uh, where they are sending special operations forces and state department's personnel and ngo so let's you know, let's okay, let's, let's
0: pause there for a second, right? Because it isn't fine. This is part of the failures of this war, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars spent on this effort, right? All these resources and blood and treasure, and a guy in New Jersey who's embedded in Afghanistan and Iraq several times puts together a map that these guys aren't doing, right? Yeah. Okay. That Correct. that's not fine. Yeah. That's a problem.
1: Okay. I, the, we'll go, we'll go yeah, no, no. I, when I said fine, I meant okay. I'll help them. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'll give them, tell them, tell them how I'm working. You know, again, it's open source. Press reports. <coughs> the Taliban look. The Taliban. And, that, don't and lie that's,
0: that's no slight on the guy who reached out to you, right? He no, was seek, he was absolutely not. I mean, it's an indictment, though, of the broader system here of, right? the, of, of the of the system, bureaucracy yes, yeah. of
1: of resolute support of the Department of Defense, right? Yeah, so I I explained how it was done, you know. And and so I want to say within six months after this conversation, CIGAR started producing a map. And they're getting the information from the Resolute Support, U.S. military, all the same thing, really. You know, U.S. military runs Resolute Support. It's NATO. Resolute Support's NATO's command in Afghanistan. But the U.S. military is the backbone of that. So they they start releasing the reports. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. And I'm looking at it. And, but they don't release the individual data. for So for about, I want to see, six months to a year... For these reports they're just giving percentages and their numbers are pretty close to mine like i want to say at the beginning we might have been like 15 to 20 percent off in the number of districts because i didn't have a full picture at this time right so but but we were we were pretty close now they, there's a difference in the way that they um rated districts i use controlled for government or taliban and contested my theory is something isn't half pregnant either the government controls it it's contested or the Taliban uh, controls it right the us the us military used five levels of assessment they would say government controlled government influenced uh, contested Taliban influenced and Taliban controlled that changes at a different point in time we'll talk about that later because it's a it's part of this and, this and story. by the way
0: just to inject a single point there i mean you and i've discussed this you could just you don't even have to get into you know all these different layers, if you just wanted to, if you wanted to simplify your map and simplify your life and actually and get around some of the supposed criticisms of this this endeavor, all you'd have to say is, look, these are areas that are not secure by the Afghan government, and just leave yeah. it at that, right? right? You don't even, you know, because yeah. you get into a whole game of, you know, is this really controlled versus contested, and it just becomes murky, and they, they added, actually added other layers of uncertainty to this whole thing by saying, you know, by trying to, to put in these different layers of, of explanation or definitions to which you know in terms of it's influenced by the government or influenced by the taliban this makes it more difficult even to try and come up with the definitions and, and adhere to it and track it um but but the point the point the whole exercise you could simplify it and just say look here's what we know is controlled by the government here's what isn't controlled by the government if you wanted to make it a simple map you want yeah. those two things and that would, that would tell the story right there but you're trying to give
1: a a more another, another layer,
0: layer uh, on top of that yeah but go ahead sorry yeah
1: Yeah. No, no, Tom, it's fine. That's the absolute right point. That's, and you know, it's, it's, I, I kind of, you know, I chuckle when I see these criticisms. I didn't want to say, you know, you want me to make the map you want me to make the way you want me to make it. And, um, you know, look this, this is what I did and, you know, feel free, but, you know, and being perfectly clear that it's, it's an actually an imperfect product. Um, but it's a best effort. And that's what I'm very clear about and want to be clear. Now when the when the I started seeing the US government with their the reason I explained the assessment levels is I knew right away when they released this. And again, I didn't have the background data. I just had numbers. So they would say, the government, you know, controls, you know, whatever percentage, this percentage, this is influence, this is and I said, Oh, I know what you US, US military is always gonna put the best, they're gonna give you the Pollyanna best case assessment, right? Because they're, the whole purpose of the, of them doing this map from the beginning was to show that the Afghan government is gaining control, right? And I, I predicted immediately that they would use the influence categories to downplay the status of districts. So for instance, if a district really was Taliban controlled, they could fudge it and say Taliban influence. If a district was contested, they can fudge it and say government influence. Do you see where I'm coming from? So they they would sort of downgrade certain estimates. And then I this is how I knew that well, okay. Then a couple of months, then CIGAR's releasing the information again, just statistics, not the raw data. But one time they released information on Cunduz and Helmand. And those are the two easiest provinces to track because that is in the reporting. Any reporter knows that at any point in time, nearly all of Helmand is either contested or controlled. By the Taliban. And, by the Taliban. By the Taliban, yes. And um, al-Qaeda,
0: should we say? To- contested and controlled by the Taliban and al-Qaeda. That's the. Yeah. By the way, when we're talking about the Taliban insurgency, as you've listened to our podcast now, and we're on episode 52, Or read our writing through the year, this is the great disconnect the dots thing that was accomplished in the analytic circles when it comes to Afghanistan as people have drawn this firm line between the Taliban and al-Qaeda when, in fact, there is, you know, multiple encyclopedias worth of evidence showing the Al Qaeda is still deeply embedded in the Taliban insurgency. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah.
1: and that and the story of that is seen in the north, Tom. The Taliban the Al Qaeda helped the Taliban work closely with the Taliban to integrate those the Tajik and 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 uh, Uzbek terror groups into the Taliban rank and file. And the, you know, again, it's not just in the north. But that's right. so yeah, so even I, back
0: to Helmand now. Yeah, everybody knows that Helmand is mostly contested or controlled by the Taliban and Al Qaeda. Can do, it's a clear situation. So tell us what the data
1: showed. So you. they actually release, yes, they actually released numbers, and it was like only three districts in Helmand. I'm, I'm guessing of, I haven't out of how
0: many total anymore. districts there in Helmand.
1: There are, I believe, there's twelve or thirteen districts in Helmand. Do um, they be like only three are, are Taliban controlled? Um, you know, one is Taliban influence. Uh, three are contested, and you know, et cetera down the line. And I'm look at this going, yeah, absolutely not. At that point in time, where they did this, six districts were under Taliban control, and any reporter that covers Hellman knows this. So, like, same thing in Kunduz. It was the same type. So, you, of situation. so
0: you're, you're you know from everything that it, they're they're basically underestimating Taliban control by fifty percent. They're saying three districts are controlled by the Taliban, when in fact it's, it's about six. You know, and then we know that they contest the rest, basically.
1: Yeah, and there was another issue in this report, by the way. My map is done in real time, okay? Their map, and this is a problem, by the way, but um, I'll mention later, because I constantly get requests, can you do this over time? And I never stored, I never created the map to do this because... A very, because of the way it was built, right? I, I gathered information slowly and I really didn't become like something that I really felt confident that it provided a full picture until sometime in 2018, 2019. And by then I was already down the road of just making a real-time map. But um, so their map is always at least three months delayed to their information. So that could explain some of it, but it wasn't because most of these districts like in Helmand and Kunduz were under Taliban control or under significant period of time. So fine. But at one point in time with this, I actually was able to obtain the data behind that, the Sigur's map. And it was fascinating. And what did I learn? There were a couple of districts that I just had no information on that were actually contested and probably a handful of them that I didn't know were Taliban controlled, because here's, here's a really interesting part about all of this. You don't hear, often don't hear about Taliban control until they overrun a district. But once they have a district, it's often they they put a tight grip on it and you don't get much news out of it. So you don't hear a lot of things unless it starts creeping up in press reports. Um, so that when went once. Uh, but back, back to, you know, getting that information behind the DOD map. Um, that was really interesting. And it really, I felt at that point in time, you know, we were talking apples and apples at that point in time. Yes, my estimates were always a little bit higher, but I stand by those assessments. I know, you know, they're like, again, some of these districts were just clearly Taliban controlled. Some of these are contested. And again, I still maintain, you you know, you're never, you're not half pregnant. Government influence and Taliban influence really isn't something, it's really nothing. I mean, it means that to me, that's a contest, those are contested districts.
0: All right. So, Um, Sometime around, as you mentioned, 2018, 2019, you kind of got a better way of doing this, right? And you got some help. There was somebody at FTD, um, she came on and helped you figure out a better way of putting this together because you always were struggling with different mapping software. I should interject one quick point here, which is that um, I had run-ins with mapping software many years ago in a different career, and found it so maddening that I I swore it off forevermore. I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Now this was a long time ago. Uh, I'm sure it's gotten better since then, but boy, it was frustrating to try and produce a map of anything. Uh, you know, I I you know I had a hard time producing a map of the local highway, let alone you know country half a global way. But in 2018, 2019, you, you came up with a better system. You came upon a better way of doing this. Why don't you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. And in, in, in 2000, at some point in 2018, Alexander Gutowski... Um, who now works at the National Security Council. Um, she offered to help She's really good with data, and she used a product called Tableau. And it's a lot more interactive. Um, first, Alexandra first helped us uh, with uh, mapping out the drone strikes in Pakistan and in Yemen and in Somalia and in Libya, um, in the areas outside of the conflict zones is what the U.S. government called them at that time. Um, and then, you know, I said, "Hey, I got this map of Afghanistan." Which, and it, so it was, the tableau just the superior product, not the not Google Maps. I mean, it did the job for me, but we can get a lot more detail. You could hover over a district, and you could see the information that's behind it. Um, and so, yeah, we miss San. Uh, she, uh, come back, San. We we could use your help. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic and. Uh, I think it took this map to the to the next level, um, and it also gave me the information. It gave me the ability to to hit a button and get this map uh, published in real time, which was I used to have to wait, and now I can just get that. I get it. Something changes, um, it gets updated. So, and before I used to have to wait till midnight to make to get the map changes in, and and that to me is important now. Whenever I change something, I hit it, and we're up to date. And, you know, so I'm always thankful for for Alexandra for her help uh, in getting us up to speed.
0: All right, so the U.S. government was producing its own assessments of this, and in um, November of 2017, um, General John W. Nicholson, Jr., who was then the commander of Resolute Support in U.S. Forces Afghanistan, um, said that the, quote-unquote, most telling—those are his words— metric for success is population control. And by that he meant the percentage of Afghan civilians living in districts dominated by the government, those versus those controlled or contested by the jihadists. Um, so this was the metric. So they were they were using at one point the US military is using a version of this metric to measure whether or not they're having success in the war fighting in Afghanistan. Lo and behold, less than a year later, in October 2018, the U.S. discontinued use of that same metric and related ones altogether, saying, quote-unquote, they are of limited decision-making value to military leaders. And by that point in time, by October 2018, the new commander in Afghanistan, General Austin Miller, he then who is the current commander of U.S. Forces Afghanistan as America retreats, he said that the goal was to bring about a political settlement for the war. And so they started measuring the success or failure of, of the war effort in Afghanistan based on the State Department-led efforts to negotiate a political settlement, which, of course, is going nowhere. And we can give you, we can give you a very clear-cut um, metric for that one. It's a big, fat zero. But anyway, um, so here's the thing. The U.S. military says this is an important thing to keep track of. This is how we're going to measure success um, for the war effort. Whoops, doesn't tell the story they want to tell, so they discontinue it and stop produ- producing any kind of data to the public via CIGAR or anywhere else. Um, doesn't that speak again to the failures here, Bill? of Leadership and the problems that we've had here in documenting all this for years is that, you know, I mean, we didn't say this is the most telling metric. They did, right? We thought it was important. You yes, thought it was important. Exactly. But in their own terms, they were saying this is important. And then they say it isn't. Now, they would say, well, you know, look, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda still don't control any provincial capitals, So a lot of the population in Afghanistan is still outside of their control. True, but... But the whole point is, is that again, it's this idea of the classic insurgency strategy of tying these nooses around these provincial capitals, waiting for the day when the U.S. and NATO is gone, so then they can tighten the noose and take control. Um, that's that's been the whole strategy all along, and these data show that. These data show that that's what they've been doing, um, waiting for that for that day, and the day has has come. Uh, really, now they're going to start with those offensive. But but again. This what did why did they discontinue putting any version of these data out, Bill? What was what was it they were really showing? Why was it problematic for them?
1: Yeah. So, and first, we make an effort at showing population control in our map. So, if you look at our map and scroll toward the bottom, you'll see a bar chart, and it shows the number of um, you know this is done by district. Okay. So so um, and it's using old data too. There have been movement population movements. So. Right now, it shows eleven thousand four hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 11 11.4 million, 11. million or so under government control, twelve point nine million in contested, eight point six under Taliban million under Taliban control. But what this doesn't which show, which by the is way, those, those numbers are not,
0: not good. And even even those numbers at their face aren't good. I mean, that shows
1: they're you know, not because contested large areas of contested. A lot of times, a district is contested because the government just controls the district center and the Taliban surrounds it. I still mark that as contested, so you might be able to take a third of that population, a half of that population, I don't know what number and throw it under Taliban control, and you might be able to take a, a third or half or whatever and put it under government control, but it's not telling the four it's only you know it's we 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 had to take a we had to pick district okay because it's the best way we can you know again an imperfect product that's supposed to give a view of what's happening um. So back to what was the map showing over time, and what was the what was showed, the
0: U.S. military's version of the map showing over time? Yes, to be clear,
1: the U.S. military's version of the map and my map were showing the same. Sure, thing, but but this is what they just
0: dis- they their version, not yours. So, <laughs> so, so,
1: so. yeah, they discon. Yeah, yes, right. yes. Well, yes, the U.S. military's version was what it was showing is every quarter the Taliban were taking control of uh, uh, approximately one to three districts. So every three months, the Taliban would take control of anywhere between, you know, say around four to to eight districts in Afghanistan um, is probably right. Um, And more were getting contested, too. Um, And over time, you know, not much, right, that quarter, but over time, it started to show that the Afghan military was not effective in stopping uh, a slow but steady Taliban advance, so that one to three percent compounded over three years looks really bad. And so the mil you know, so the military didn't want this inform didn't want to put the military's official information out there to show this. So it used the excuse of saying that um again, and obviously with that using the methodology the population shows more and more over time that becoming under Taliban control. So they used the excuse of peace. To um to kill the Congo peace process, yeah, the Congo, yeah, yes.
0: not peace itself, but actually this process is supposed to lead to peace, and of course it it, it it hasn't, it isn't, and it won't. But go ahead, yeah,
1: yeah, and I'm told the military stopped doing this, right? Um, Stop doing what? Stop doing this
0: district level? Stop dist-
1: gathering the information. So again, the U.S. military has people out in the provinces. So wait a minute. So when, when General Mark
0: Milley the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff gets before Congress yesterday and talks about the number of districts the Taliban controls. What you're saying is, well, how do you know, Bud? You're not really doing that analysis, are you? You know, so.
1: Well, I think they went, they got out of the game at some point, and now they're back in. And I was just contacted by someone today at NATO headquarters asking about my map. Okay. After, after, so, but
0: NATO. If I, but let's get back to this now. NATO said this doesn't matter. This is of limited decision-making value. That's what they said in October of 2018. That's what we heard from Resolute Support and U.S. Forces Afghanistan. Now now they're saying, oh, we want to look at these data. Yeah, now let's, I think let's wrap up on a point here unless you have anything else to add, Bill. Let's wrap up on a point.
1: No, no, that's, that's perfectly fine.
0: Let's wrap up on a point here, uh, mainly because I got to go pick up my kids from school. Uh, but, but um, so the point to wrap up here is that we know that there are Afghan officials or US officials who don't like your map. Who don't like that you do this. Oh yes. And the reason is because they don't like the picture it shows, right? And now here's the thing, right? I haven't seen, you know, at this point, if they want to produce something that's accurate that tells a dramatically different picture, go for it. Right? I mean you'll if you can show if you could show there's a there's a discrepancy here that needs to be resolved. If they could show, well, really these ten districts that Rogio says are, you know, contested or really controlled by the Afghan government or whatever or Taliban controlled they're not really Taliban controlled. You gladly report that. You gladly change the map to reflect that reflect those data. You 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 would update it accordingly. But they don't like it. I think they don't like it because it's a more honest picture of what's going on and they don't like honesty. And that's part of the problem we've had in documenting this war, right? Is that the dishonesty here across the board has been pervasive. And a big part of the problem is that when you lie to yourself so long, for so long, it be, the truth becomes incredibly inconvenient. And and I think that this is—I think your map is a, is a very large, inconvenient truth at this point, which is that they failed, right? They didn't succeed what they thought—they didn't, they didn't do what they said they were doing. They didn't achieve what they said they were achieving. And now, as you said earlier, the chickens are coming home to roost. So here's, here's the bottom line— um, you know, as we go forward here and you keep updating this map, I, I think I could speak for you in saying, go ahead and, and you know, put out something different, put out something that's, that's, that's uh, a better version of this. Go for it. We'd, we'd, we'd love to see a better picture, right? But you better be careful, right? Because if it's not, if it's not accurate, you're going to get called on it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Look, Tom, and you know, you hit on a, honesty was one of the key casualties in this war in Afghanistan and, um. You know, you can call me a pumping Taliban propaganda or whatever. I'm just trying to make a... Again, this map should have been used to sound the alarm that things weren't going well. And instead, it was derided and attempted its suppression and whatnot. Um, you know... I well, will even go so far as... It's for, based on
0: Some of what I've seen on social media and from some people who have emailed or commented, it's almost get the sense that your map is more of an enemy than the Taliban and Al-Qaeda are, you know? And it's pretty stupid, um, and it, it shows you just how lost everybody is in this conflict in terms of understanding what's going on. And this is a big part of the story of writing the history of the Afghan War is the America's role in the Af- the war in Afghanistan. Is that um, you know you can only delude yourself so long, right?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I'd love to get some a lot of these districts off of black and off of red. Um, please, Afghan government, get your stuff together and, and, and make it happen. And I'll happily report it. But, um, and we may, we may have, yeah, we we may have just...
0: some Afghan officials on our podcast here in the coming weeks, maybe, uh, hopefully. Um, and they could tell their side of the story, um, but get your story right you know if you're gonna try and tell us that Helmand is not mostly controlled by the taliban at this point well we got a problem right you <laughs> see yep, and, Absolutely. you know don't don't repeat the mistakes of the past you know but you've got to give us an honest assessment of what's going on and hopefully you know of of all those districts that have fallen to the taliban in recent weeks hopefully the afghan government has its own surge you know uh and is able to um retake a good number of them i very much doubt that will be the case but you know hopefully hopefully it will happen i don't know if you have anything else to add bill
1: That's all. Thanks, everyone.
0: Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in again to this episode of Generation Jihad. Please do subscribe to the show. As a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. I actually don't check still at this point podcasts on any of those, but I hope you do. And if you are on any of those, uh, if they have a rating system, if you could throw us a strong rating, I guess that helps the algorithm and drive traffic. I don't know how any of this works, so I'm just kind of talking based on what people told me. Uh, And we will see you again soon.